Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, America, and happy Tuesday. Actually, not a happy Tuesday. It's a sad time in the world, a sad time in Israel, sad time in the United States. Just a few minutes ago, President Joe Biden made his first national address about the war in Israel, conducted by the terrorists that belong to Hamas. He called it terrorism. He called it a pure act of evil. He revealed that there were 14 Americans that have been killed already, and that other Americans were being held hostage by Hamas. A lot of news in that short press conference. A lot of people have been waiting days for the president to come out. He had a barbecue at the White House and issued a statement, but had not made a public appearance or make a speech. He did. He was very firm today that America stands with Israel, that there's no room between Israel and the United States, at least with him. But I want to go back now, just for a few seconds, and remind people what room the liberal wing of the Democratic Party has created for events like this over the last 10 to 15 years. Now, before we do that, let me give you a quick headline on who's on the show today. We have two amazing guests. Fred Flights, former chief of staff to the National Security Council, former CIA analyst, and one of the really one of the greatest security minds America's produced in the last half century. He's going to join us to referee everything, America's vulnerabilities, Israel, and what's next, the ground war that's going to follow the aerial attacks. We're going to have all that covered with Fred. And then in the second part of the show, we're very lucky to be joined by somebody that is on the front lines of the Israel conflict. He is the former Israeli ambassador to the United States. He is Michael Oren, and he'll join us in the second block of the show with an eyewitness upfront account of what's going on in Israel, how big a moment it is. As the UN ambassador, Israeli ambassador to the United Nations said this weekend, this is Israel's 9-11 moment. In fact, per capita, an even larger death toll for Israel than what we suffered that horrific day 22 plus years ago in New York and Washington and in Pennsylvania as well. Today, I want to go back, though, for a few moments, because this moment of Hamas, and there's clearly a big intelligence failure here, both in Israel and in the United States. Either they had the intelligence and sat on it, or they didn't have it. Either one, if they were blind, it is a black eye for the Israeli intelligence services, which are so vaunted in the history of security. But it was 50 years ago when there was a similar intelligence failure in the Yom Kippur attack of 1973. So history sometimes tragically repeats itself. In this case, this was even a more severe and deadly attack. We're up to well over a thousand Israelis dead, a large number of Palestinians killed in the counteroffensive, many of the militants shot dead. And really, this war is about to move from an aerial bombardment, which started a few days ago in Gaza, to ground warfare that will be very lethal and very bloody and very long and prolonged as Israel seeks to drive out Hamas for good from the Gaza, from the West Bank, and from anywhere else that they operate. And all eyes will be on Iran. 
which is believed to be behind this attack, will it escalate further or de-escalate and pull out now that it creates such bloody mayhem in Israel? And all eyes will also be on Hezbollah, which is supported by Iran, just like Hamas is supported by Iran. But in neither of those cases, they shot a couple rockets out of Hezbollah in Lebanon on Sunday, but thus far it stayed quiet on the northern side. So people will be watching to see that this is a two-tiered front. Now, the reason I want to go back is that for much of the last 15 years, unchecked, the Democratic Party has allowed for a large anti-Semitic wing, its far progressive wing. It's represented by the squad, the Jamal Bowmans and the Rashida Talibs and the AOCs and the others. They have called Israel falsely an apartheid state. They have called the Israelis oppressors. They have called the Palestinians the oppressed, when the truth is far different than that, far more complicated, far more nuanced. They have preached hatred. They have embraced Iran, and that includes President Biden, who has allowed billions of dollars of relief to go to Iran, both in the form of the $6 billion in unfrozen funds, which sit in a bank account, plus a lot of oil sales and other things. Plus, we gave and released five Iranian prisoners. The effort to relentlessly pursue an Iran nuclear deal in the face of the fact that Iran really isn't interested in curtailing its nuclear program, that it isn't interested in curtailing its sponsorship of terrorism, is a red flag. And the truth of the matter is the Democratic Party's embrace of Hamas, the Palestinians, and Iran over the last 10 to 15 years is what gave rise to the many moments of violence that finished with that horrific, blood-curtling, barbaric, inhumane attacks on civilians on Saturday and Sunday across Israel. But the Democratic Party, at least the progressive wing's embrace of Hamas, Palestine, and the Palestinians, and Iran, created the scenario over many years where this occurred. And even after the horrific scenes of raped women and children and soldiers being beheaded, the barbarism of extraordinary terror. And by the way, the president got it right today. It is terrorism. It is warfare. He compared it to ISIS, and he's right. But all of that didn't stop the extraordinary display of the socialists in America calling and supporting Hamas and Palestine over the weekend. It didn't stop universities like Harvard from continuing their anti-Semitic drift with troves against Israel The truth of the matter is the left has a problem with hatred. It's an anti-Semitic hatred. I'm not Jewish, but I understand and see what anti-Semitism is. It's a form of virulent intolerance. And the more the West embraces it or refuses to address it, the more it emboldens the hateful acts of Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, and others. The women in Iran are paying a price for America's tolerance of the Iranian regime. The women with the Taliban who wanted to send fighters to Israel are paying a price for this embrace of intolerance that the left has held for many years. America is at much greater risk because of the appeasement that we have shown the regime, the mullahs in Tehran. And that record of anti-Semitism, of embracing radicalism, of embracing a regime that chants death to America and death to Israel, it has to be owned by the people who have perpetrated it for the last 15 years or so. It can't be forgotten. It can't go unrepudiated. It can't go unanswered. And this moment, as tragic as it is for Israel, and it is tragic, unthinkable bloodshed over a very short period of time, barbaric bloodshed, it will have decades of consequence in the Middle East and in America. And you have to ask yourself if Iran, working with Hamas and others, could carry out this attack, which had a lot of the hallmarks of state-sponsored terrorism, what could they do with our open border and all the different cells that may have moved into this country over the last couple of years? That's the fear that so many people in the intelligence community privately tell me. And today, I think you'll hear it on the record from Fred Flights, a longtime intelligence professional. All right, with that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Fred Flights, former National Security Council Chief of Staff, followed by Michael Oren, former Israeli ambassador to the United States, two people on the front lines of a very important battle brewing in Israel today. We'll be right back after these messages. 
Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash Just News. That's AMAC.us forward slash Just News. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As you know, at the top of the show, so much to absorb on this weekend's dramatic developments in Israel, a horrific act of war, act of terror by Hamas. Clearly, a lot of fingerprints, at least assumed, going back to Iran. I thought I'd bring in one of the most skilled intelligence and security experts I know. He's a former CIA analyst, former House Intelligence Committee staff member, former chief of staff to the National Security Council. And if that doesn't impress you enough, he's currently the vice chair of America First Policy Institute's Center for American Security. He's our good friend, Fred Flights. Fred, welcome back to the show. Hey, John. Good to be here. What a weekend. Uh, just watching these images and the horrific barbarism, but also just the surprise and shock that Israel, which normally has these great intelligence agencies, somehow got caught flat-footed. Well, that's right. And America's intelligence agencies did too. But Israel's intelligence agencies have incredible capability of monitoring communications in Gaza. I mean, there's very intensive electronic surveillance. There's human sources. They use satellite imagery. And somehow this huge operation uh, wasn't detected by Israeli intelligence or defense forces. I think this probably means a nation state was involved to teach Hamas how to do this. I think there was very strict uh, communication security. Uh, I think that the, 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 uh, the plan and the, and the date to do it was very highly held. I think a lot of these fighters didn't know they were going until the last minute. They were probably given instructions on paper. They were told to uh, turn in their cell phones so they couldn't be tracked. Uh, and I also, and also, it's known there was deception that there were some feints made, so the uh, Israelis would would focus on on the wrong part of the front while um, this air, land, and sea operation took place. But as I said, it it's a major intelligence failure, but this is not uh, a, a failure that would have taken place only based on uh, what Hamas is capable of. Yeah, and that then suggests that they had nation state help. Do you feel pretty confident that Iran had some role in this? Well, obviously, Hamas claimed it originally, then backtracked from it. But do you see Iran's fingerprints on this? I, I think Iran was definitely involved. I believe that the Wall Street Journal article that came out over the weekend 
it sounds to me that that is 100% accurate. It, I find it disturbing that the Biden administration is discounting an Iranian role before they have the evidence. Even if they don't think Iran was involved, they don't have the evidence yet, they shouldn't be saying anything because Iran might have been involved. And it looks fairly clear that the Biden administration wants to absolve Iran from being involved because it wants to continue its efforts to revive Obama's terrible nuclear deal with Iran. They don't want this to distract from that. I'd like Anthony Blinken to say, you know, we're still evaluating the evidence, not to say, well, we've seen no evidence that Iran is involved. Uh, Well, I think the most important evidence was when the Hamas spokesman thanked Iran for helping them carry out the mission. And then you're right, the, the Hamas spokesman backtracked on that because the Iranian government got worried that Israel might retaliate against Iran. Yeah, no, that's really one of the big escalations. There's a second part. We're all focused on the southern front because of the heinous acts that occurred this weekend. But there were a couple volleys from Hezbollah. Does Hezbollah get tempted to run in this or does Iran push Hezbollah to create a two front war for Israel right now? I think there's a possibility of that. But Hezbollah has to make a decision. Does it want to get involved in another war with the, with Israel that will result in an enormous amount of damage to Lebanon and to Beirut? It looks so far like the, the rockets and missiles we've seen exchange were sort of symbolic. It wasn't a serious commitment by Hezbollah. They have maybe 100,000 rockets and missiles they could fire in Israel. But the price would be enormous. It certainly would strain Israel's military capabilities, but they could handle this. So, so far, they're not involved. Now, I, I heard that um, there was a warning that if the U.S. got involved in the conflict, Hezbollah would come in. I don't give that any credibility. I, I think that Hezbollah and Iran are calculating what to do Right now, I think they're probably going to stay out. Yeah, yeah, let Hamas bear the brunt of their their actions. I want to just stop for a second before we go into I want to get more Israel, but I want to walk back a little bit the last 10 years because the liberal arm of the Democratic Party has both embraced Iran, as you pointed out, even Joe Biden trying to resurrect that deal again. And then you have the squad and many others, quite frankly, liberal professors and people aligned with the administration that have, you know, used the lines that, well, Israel's an apartheid state, that the Palestinians are an oppressed people, that anyone who supports Israel does so in violation of, you know, racism or oppressive policies. For the longest time, Democrats have been in the Iran slash Palestinian camp. And now Americans are seeing what those perpetrators are capable of doing. I mean, this the, the, the visceral nature of some of these horrific things that happened over the weekend. How dangerous is the liberal alliance with these two things as a political peril to a party that's advocated for them for so long? Well, I agree with what you just said, but I would also say that this uh, far left mindset is anti-Semitic and it's anti-Israel. And I'm very disturbed by these demonstrations at Harvard, by a large number of student organizations, by other student organizations, this rally in Manhattan that had all these uh, pro-Palestinian protesters who were celebrating the deaths of innocent Israeli citizens. But let's go back to 2016 when APAC, the the, uh, American Israel uh, Political Action Committee, had their conference in Washington. And none of the Democratic presidential candidates spoke to it. Some of them went there to speak on the sides, but they didn't dare speak to one of the most powerful uh, Israeli lobby, uh, well, Israeli-American lobbying groups in the United States because the progressive wing has such a stranglehold over the Democratic Party. And John, why this is so dangerous is because the people we see demonstrating at these colleges, they are the Democratic Party of the future. There is a lot of anti-Semitism. There is a lot of Israel hatred in this left-wing movement among younger members of this movement. Nancy Pelosi is pro-Israel, and she has stood up to anti-Semitism throughout her career. I give her credit for that. But that group of Democrats is dying off, and I'm very worried who's going to follow them. Yeah. Beyond the hatred, the anti-Semitism, there's a naivety about what the Iranian-backed groups in the world really want to achieve, because they won't be content just stopping at toppling Israel. They have an enormous disdain for America. How can that be lost on so many of you? When you're in college, you have to be pretty smart to get to college. How does that get lost in all of this equation? Well, we have a set of professors. We have a movement that hates America and um, is... is, um, teaching them stories about uh, 
countries like Iran as if maybe their grievances are legitimate and, and not talking about the threat from radical Islam, uh, not talking about uh, the America as a great country, the, the, what, what Western civilization has achieved. Western civilization isn't evil. Western civilization brought democracy to the world and modern concepts of human rights. I'm not sure you're taught that at Harvard anymore. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah, it's actually pretty extraordinary. In the lead up to this, there was significant amount of concessions that the Biden administration has been making to Iran to try to get that deal back on the front pages and get back on the front burner again. A lot of made made about $6 billion. It really doesn't matter if the $6 billion was still in a bank account. There's been oil sales that Iran has been allowed to make. The multiple moves that the Biden administration has made to Iran, does that embolden them to do things like what we saw this weekend? It, it certainly does. We saw a year and a half of frozen diplomacy because the Iranians just wouldn't negotiate in good faith. Then the Biden administration got desperate in the spring of this year, offered an unwritten deal, so it can't be uh, um, overseen by Congress, of $10 billion in sanctions relief. Iran has gotten six so far, allowing Iran to enrich uranium to 60%, uranium to 35%, which is just a hair beneath weapons grade. And, I mean, the Iranians realize that this administration will give them almost anything to revive Obama's dangerous nuclear deal with Iran. It has certainly emboldened Iran. It's emboldened its proxies. It's emboldened Hezbollah and Hamas and Islamic Jihad. And now we see that since the administration doesn't want Iran to be blamed for what happened in Israel over the weekend, I think Iran will be emboldened further. Yeah, it seems as though. And also these, these weird signals, right? You had the tweet from our own Secretary of State that suggested maybe there should be a pause in the Israeli counterattack. All of those things are things that, because of ambiguity, at the very least, give Iran and its assets around the world a reason to keep going. Why does this administration have so many ambiguous, unclear, maddening moments? So John Kirby, the NSC spokesman, I think he's still in the military, I don't know. He was asked yesterday whether climate change is still President Biden's uh, priority national security threat. And Kirby said, yes. Well, our enemies all over the world, they love that. The Chinese love hearing that. Radical Islamists love hearing that. The Iranians, the Russians, this is just what they want to hear. If we have such an unserious foreign policy, they probably think they can do anything they want. The U.S. is not a threat to them if we have a president who's so incompetent and has a foreign policy that is frankly ridiculous. All right, folks, more with our exclusive interview with Fred Flights right after these messages. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hey, folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market and economic downturns. All you got to do is put your IRA back on the gold standard. With a multi-trillion dollar trade deficit and ongoing geopolitical instability, experts say now is the time to make the switch. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Protect your retirement today with one simple phone call and receive your free gold and silver guide from my good friends at Genesis Gold. To do that, call Genesis Gold Group today at 800 200 
G-O-L-D, gold. That's 800-200-GOLD. And find out how you can add precious metals to your IRA. One more time, let me give you the number. It's 800-200-4653. gold Or visit them at genesisgoldgroup.com. Genesis Gold, welcome to the John Solomon Just the News family. Now, let's talk to the actual military tactics. All right, so there's been the aerial bombardment of Gaza. The ground invasion will be next. A ground war in this region at this moment. What are the risks? What's Israel's likely tactical goal in going into Gaza with ground troops? We've seen uh, missiles fired from Gaza for a long time since Israel gave Gaza up. And Israel hasn't invaded it because it did not want to get involved well, it didn't try to occupy it. it. It invaded it slightly. It didn't want to get involved in urban warfare. It knew the cost of occupying Gaza for Israeli troops would be very high. And they have to occupy it now. They have to wipe out, uh, wipe out Hamas as a terrorist slash uh, military organization and as the, the uh, ruling authority of Gaza. But there's going to be booby traps set in Gaza. And I believe Hamas is ready for Israeli troops to enter Gaza City and other cities in the Gaza Strip. And I, I think the Israeli government is thinking long and hard on how to do this to eliminate casualties, because I think it is going to be a, a long and bloody slog. Yeah, we saw what urban warfare looks like in a small scale in Iraq and, and Afghanistan in some places, but Hamas would have had years to prepare for this. And it's a very tight, dense area, which makes it, I guess, pretty tricky what does it do for the rest of the stability of the region? Right, we got Iran. That's one big part. But Israel was moving towards some enormous thawing with Dubai and other places because of what the Trump administration, which you helped put into place, and Saudi Arabia looked like it was going to be next. Does this put a wrinkle in all of that? Supposedly, talks to normalize relations with Israel between Israel and Saudi Arabia have been put on hold, and the Saudis have said some unhelpful things, claiming Israel is responsible for this violence by Hamas. I don't really put a lot of stake in that. Uh, the Saudi government has their own radicals I have to deal with, and standing with Israel might have been dangerous uh, for the regime. I wish they hadn't said that, but my hope is that these talks will keep be kept on track because the Saudi government should not want to give Hamas a victory here or give them any credit because Hamas hates the Saudi government. It also hates the Egyptian government. And if Hamas could do this to Israel, it could do it to the Saudis and to the Egyptians. Yeah. Symbolic date. Obviously, Hamas picked a Jewish holiday around the 50th anniversary of the Seven Day War of 73. When you look at this, are other terror groups thinking we're next up, we should cascade and attack the West? Should we be on alert that more Western countries could be at risk over the next few weeks and months as these groups maybe try to ride off of each other's momentum? Well, I do. And I'm very worried that our southern border hasn't been defended because we have to assume that Hamas has sent fighters into the U.S. But concerning the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur attack, that was an intelligence failure, too. The Israelis were caught off guards and it led to uh, uh, quite a house cleaning in, in the Israeli government. I don't think we want to talk about that now, but heads are going to have to roll on how the Israeli government, Israeli intelligence did not pre- detect and prevent this Hamas attack. Based on what you know from both public source and whatever else you get information from, is there a real concern that Hamas does have cells here, Al-Qaeda have cells here, ISIS have cells here? Is there reason to believe that they've embedded? The people I talk to believe that, that a, a number of criminal elements, uh, members of terrorist organizations, Chinese intelligence officers, probably quite a few of them, have penetrated the southern border during the Biden administration. Uh, I, I think it's it's a severe security threat. And look, we don't know what we don't know. There are so many gotaways. Um, and I think if, if uh, members of a foreign intelligence service or a terrorist organization decided to infiltrate the border, they would know how not to be caught. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they'd have the same sort of training that some of these militants used over the weekend. When you step back now, I know the Biden administration says very clearly, we stand with Israel. Its actions up to this point actually don't actually always back that up. What's the best advice for our president now? What should America do at this moment, both for Israel and the region there, but also maybe to consider the possibility that we're vulnerable as well? Israel needs unequivocal support from this government. I was glad when President Biden said on Saturday that uh, American support for Israel is rock solid. 
But but we know Biden's support for Israel hasn't been rock solid. His administration has constantly criticized the Israeli government. They've criticized the Israeli justice system and efforts to reform it, which I might add, John, is none of our business. How would we like it if the Israeli government started criticizing the way we ran our government? Biden should butt out of stuff like that. He's also snubbed Netanyahu by refusing to meet him at the White House. He's engaged in policies that the Israeli government thinks are dangerous, like giving hundreds of millions of dollars to the Palestinian Authority, something Trump stopped, and this uh, crazy effort to renegotiate the nuclear deal. I'd like to see when it's possible a Biden-Netanyahu summit. That can't happen now, obviously, for security reasons. I'd like to see Netanyahu, when it's possible, to be invited with Biden's blessing to address a joint session of Congress so we can basically cement what Biden said. Put it, put, let's say we'll make, it, we'll make it really rock solid so Biden can't wriggle out of it later, this close relationship, because I'm worried that in a few weeks, maybe a month, Biden's going to go wobbly and start asking for a ceasefire and for both sides to lay down their arms before Israel has secured uh, uh, the Gaza Strip. Yeah, that would be a mistake for Israel. Obviously, the resolve of Israel seems to be large right now. This is their 9-11 moment, as I think their UN ambassador said on Saturday. What perils and what opportunities does Israel have when it carries out this next wave of the operation? Well, as I said, it's 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 going to be a dangerous operation because it's urban warfare. But I, I think we need to look ahead after Israel occupies the Gaza Strip and destroys Hamas. What happens then? Who or what will govern the Gaza Strip? Will it be the corrupt Palestinian Authority? Now, Daniel Pipes, you probably know Daniel Pipes. He's a, a, a great Middle East conservative expert. He wrote an op-ed over the weekend saying that the the people of Gaza hate Hamas because They've driven them into poverty and they're poor. You know, pipes might be right, but I also think that this is an area of extremely poor and very angry people who are inherently anti-Israel. And I think it will be difficult to prevent future uh, terrorist organizations from springing from this area. I don't know how this is going to be solved. Now, uh, there was a, someone wrote a an op-ed in the New York Times over the weekend suggesting maybe Egyptian and Saudi peacekeeping forces could be deployed to the Gaza Strip to try to keep order until the world figured out what to do with Gaza. I don't know that either state would do that, but we need to think about what comes next after Hamas is knocked out as the ruler of the Gaza Strip. Such extraordinary big questions on the forefront because the history in the region is going to be dictated by not only this moment in the war, but how Gaza comes out of this because the Palestinian cause has been used to fund and inspire so much terrorism against the West. This sort of, I already see on Twitter today all the trending Palestine is under attack, which is really not what's going on here, but there's going to be a lot of terrorist recruitment off of this Israeli operation now, isn't there? Unfortunately, that's just the way... uh uh, these things go. But um, a decisive defeat of Hamas will demoralize people who want to join these organizations also. That's the key, right? It's got to be a thorough defeat. And then last question for you, in our own country here, given what the last few years have been at the border, some of the intelligence that's been coming in about the capability of ISIS and al-Qaeda to in Taliban, under the Taliban rule, be able to carry out attacks again against the West. What are some of the immediate steps we need to take in the United States to try to ensure that we have a better protective posture than maybe we've had the last couple of years? Well, look, elections have consequences. And when you elect a president who's so incompetent, with a direct uh, Homeland Security secretary with no interest in securing the border, I don't know where to start. Uh, we need a new Homeland Security secretary, but if we have a White House that doesn't care about domestic security, that doesn't think that defending our country is a priority, we're in trouble. I think the priority is to bring in another government, another president who understands the importance of an America first approach to domestic and international security. I think this administration is hopeless. There's so much to do, not just defending the southern border, uh, but, but going after these possible insurgents and terrorists who were led into the country when Biden was president. This has to be an issue in, in, in the next election. Now, I, I'm hoping that after what happened in Gaza, every, pre, every Republican presidential candidate will be talking about the fact that this could happen here because of all these possible insurgents who Biden let in. Yeah. 
And as you look out, the since Joe Biden's come into power, the tragic withdrawal from Afghanistan, the war beginning in Ukraine, now a war in Israel soil, so much aggression under one president. In fact, I can't remember another time in recent memory where one president had so many foreign crises start on his watch. What is making all of these bad actors across the world feel that this is their moment to act out? Well, we know peace through strength. That was a motto of President Reagan. It was a motto of President Trump. It's good for American security and global security. A strong United States, a strong military, a decisive president, a president who keeps our enemies on their toes and off balance. It discourages our adversaries from trying things. And, and Putin admitted this. There's a reason why Putin invaded neighboring countries during three or four successive presidents, but not President Trump. He didn't know how Trump would respond. He didn't like Trump, but uh, he was worried what Trump would do. China was worried what Trump would do. North Korea was worried what Trump would, would do. That's what we need. We need decisive leadership. We need a president who our enemies fear. We don't have that today. Yeah, in fact, President Trump, I did an interview him on Friday night. It's exactly what he said. There was always a 10% uncertainty about what they thought I would do next, and that kept deterrence. Mm -hmm. And it, right. there's something. <laughs> and Reagan had that same quality. You didn't quite know what Reagan would do, and that kept our enemies much more on the edge of their seat, which we don't seem to have right now. What an honor, Fred, to have you on the show today on such a historic weekend. I mean, there's so much going on. People are trying to absorb it. But really appreciate the time and all the wisdom we had today. It was a great, great conversation. Great to be here. Thanks, John. Thanks, my friend. Don't go anywhere, folks. When we come back, we've got a good one. Former Israeli ambassador to the United States, Michael Lauren, after these messages. Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax-advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor advised fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z -Pak. The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Welcome back, everybody. There is no doubt that the last few days have been extremely horrific and turbulent for our friends and allies in Israel as they continue to fight in their war. So far, over 900 Israeli lives have been lost. That number keeps getting updated, including 14 Americans, 11 hostages, and just hours ago, 11 American hostages, just hours ago from a podium within the White House, President Biden signaled for unity as well as reinstating his support 
for Israel, even calling on Congress to act. And I want to stop there and and take a pause because our next guest is a diplomatic master and has been gracious enough to join us from Israel despite the ongoing conflict. He's the former Israeli ambassador to the United States and a brilliant author, Ambassador Michael Oren. We are so blessed to have you back with us once again. Thank you for being here, sir. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, John. It's good to be with you, even given these very grim circumstances. Yeah, yeah I, I hate to say it. I wish I wish that we weren't having you on today, especially under these circumstances. Um, I, I don't want to reveal anything about where you are or your personal activity there on the ground. Can you just give us a general sense of things today, Tuesday, four days later? Well, I'm actually talking to you. It's fine. Uh, from southern Tel Aviv. You're, you're in actually my uh, apartment's bomb shelter here. It looks like I got some books behind me, but it is a bomb shelter. Uh, and the families moved the beds into here because we had two sirens go off today. Yesterday, a building in the, the street next to us uh, received a direct hit and was destroyed. Uh, so we're all locked down, children, grandchildren. Uh, lockdown. Uh, there were further reports tonight of terrorists remain within Israeli territory. Um, and further casualties have suffered on our side. And uh, reports now that a great number of bodies on uh, kibbutz, known as Kfar Azawa, have been discovered that weren't known before. Mm-hmm. Um, so the casualty number indeed keeps climbing. And it, um, we haven't even begun, actually, the offensive uh, part of this war as Israel decides tonight whether and how it will launch a ground incursion into Gaza to rid the Strip of the horrendous Hamas and Islamic Jihad presence. Sir, it's unthinkable watching the images, but you know, over the last couple of years, I've been blessed to talk to you, and we talked a lot about the rise of anti-Semitism, anti-Americanism in our universities, the left's embrace of Iran and Palestinians and Hamas in, in the political sense. Uh, it's many times it felt like a theoretical episode, this uh, exercise, but today we see the extraordinary consequences of embracing such extremism. What message would you like to send to the America about those embraces and how dangerous they've been to Israel? It's not just the message is precise that the message, the danger is not just uh, to Israel. Um, the enemy we face in Hamas is the same enemy that America faced in ISIS and Al Qaeda. It is a radical, medieval, vicious, brutal, barbaric uh, jihadist group. They, it's not a clash of civilizations, John and Amanda. It's a, it's a clash between a civilization and a different universe, a very dark and evil universe. And you have to believe in evil. These are people who behead babies, uh, repeatedly rape young women and strip them and march them naked through the streets of Gaza so they can be spat upon and beaten. I take entire families out and shoot them. Uh, today I found out that I, I knew one of those families, gorgeous couple with three beautiful children just taken out and shot. Uh, bodies mutilated. This this is not, and these people are not, as many of the uh, media outlets in, in your country prefer to call them uh, militants. They're not fighters. All right? They are terrorists. This is the very definition of terrorists. And, uh, and that, that's the message, that uh, Israel is in the forefront uh, of the defense of our civilization against this evil. And there can be no deeper message I could give. Yeah. Stop calling them militants, please. Yes, sir. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that uh, absolutely. And some people, you know, I think that you, you hit the nail on the head because, you know, a lot of us who, who have observed this conflict and studied it know the phrase after Saturday comes Sunday after Jews are attacked. Then they start attacking the West and the Christian West. But with respect to what you were just talking about, them referring to these uh, these these demons as militants, um, when you witness what has happened and we've all. Yeah, I, I refuse to watch the snuff videos. I don't. I don't. I don't actually want to see that. I know what's happening. I don't have to actually see it with my eyes. But for for people who have seen that, we know what's happening. I don't understand how beheading forty babies um, precludes them from being terrorists. How on earth? Has a group like Hamas or Hezbollah or Iran or however you want to include the amalgamation of these terrorists, how have they managed to so capture mainstream legacy media organizations in Canada, in the UK, in the United States, such that they are preventing their journalists from calling them what they are, which is terrorists? Precisely. And I I know people in mainstream media outlets in in the United States that have received a memo even today. Uh, reiterating the need to call these awful barbaric terrorists uh, militants, militants. And they can say that they commit acts of terror, but they can't call them terrorists. That's how absurd this is. And uh, and there's only one reason for it. What can I say to you? Is because their victims are Jews. 
Because if they did the same thing to the Americans, if they did the same thing to Ukrainians, uh, those perpetrators would be called terrorists. And the worst, se worst sense of the meaning of the word terror, uh, it's only because it's, it's Jewish. And at a certain level, I got to tell you, the use of the word militant is anti-Semitic. Mm. Sir, I want to turn to the, uh, the big elephant on the block, which is that there is a lot of belief and concern that Iran was in some way involved in this. We've been coddling Iran in the United States for the last few years. Can you tell us what you know about Iranian complicity, if there is any, and what we should expect to be the consequence to Iran for what just happened? Well, this is what I know. Uh, Iran, uh, Hamas is extensively backed and trained by Iran. The Islamic Jihad organization, that's the other terrorist organization in the Gaza Strip, is wholly owned and operated by Iran. Ninety plus percent of the rockets fired at us, including the rockets fired at this neighborhood, are made in Iran and smuggled into the Gaza Strip. The other 10 percent are manufactured by Iranian trained Palestinian engineers. So that's a deep, deep and pervasive involvement. We also suspect that the scope and complexity of, of the Hamas uh, terrorist raid on our population was too complicated for the Palestinian terrorists to mount by themselves that they had must have had uh, direct um, involvement and direction by uh, by Iranian uh, elements such as the uh, Revolutionary Guards or the Al-Quds Force. And we know that leaders of these terrorist organizations have met with the chiefs of Iranian intelligence and security forces uh, in not so long ago. So you, you can connect the dots. I don't think there's much doubt about uh, Iranian involvement here on a, at a very, at a multi-level uh, and, and deep manner. Mr. Ambassador, there's no doubt that during the Trump administration, there was such an incredible bond between President Trump and Benjamin Netanyahu. And uh, earlier today, President Biden spoke on this issue, and I think some people might call it uncharacteristic of him, but he was, he was very precise and lucid in his support for Israel. As far as what you think Israel needs from the United States, whether it is cash flow, whether it's equipment, I know that as of about 24 hours ago, there was an aircraft carrier with equipment heading towards Israel. What are the most important things that the United States can do right now to, to tactically support Israel? In any war, the United States can do three things. One is provide us with ammunition. Uh, we tend to run out of ammunition in every single war we're in. Uh, the United States has pre-positioned about $2 billion worth of uh, American munitions and military equipment underground here in the state of Israel. Uh, it was done by George Bush originally, uh, and it was for use for American forces in the Middle East. Those forces have largely uh, withdrawn. Every time we run low on a certain type of ammo, we ask the United States to get the keys to these warehouses. They're given to us. There was one time when they didn't. Uh, that was during 2014. Uh, Obama sort of withheld permission of the keys. Uh, but um, we go down, we take what we need, we write it down, we pay it back, it's replenished. Uh, so we need that vital parts of ammunition and think that is what is being supplied right now as we're speaking by the United States. Uh, the second uh, type of aid that the United States can give us is what I call the diplomatic iron dome. Um, already tonight, even after President Biden came out and condemned terror against Israel in the most unequivocal way, I went on uh, the BBC, and the BBC is already half accusing us of war crimes uh, because of our blockade of the Gaza Strip. It's a crime against humanity. Already, you can see this happening, and it's not too long before that, you know, seeps from the BBC into the Security Council. So the uh, the diplomat, what I call the the, the diplomatic iron dome, will mean that America will defend us in international arenas where we are being condemned, um, and that's an important service which the United States can give us because those condemnations can serve as the basis for sanctions and boycotts against Israel, which can be strategically very dangerous to us. And the third type is the morning after aid. Uh, this war will be over, and uh, for example, if Israel has to reconquer. Uh, the gold, the the entire Gaza Strip, in order to get rid of, of Hamas, uh, we don't want to be sitting there holding a different set of keys, which is the keys to, the keys to Gaza. And so the United States can come along and engage with other Middle Eastern powers, perhaps put together an international force, uh, other uh, Western allies, and figure out a future for Gaza, which will will, will retain the Strip as permanently sort of demilitarized and not a threat to anybody, neither to Israel nor to Egypt.
All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. So grateful you can join. Be sure to download the Just the News app. Sign up for our newsletter at justthenews.com slash newsletter. And be sure to keep an eye on the website. Day and night, we're going to be covered with war coverage until this conflict ends, which I fear will be many, many weeks and months in the future. So big, big news we'll be covering for you on the front lines. And we won't let those who uttered hatred, embraced intolerance, embraced Palestinians and Hamas and Iran. We won't let them off the hook. We're going to keep reminding people what they did. And that is an important role for just the news. All right, folks, we'll be back tomorrow with regular programming. Until then, God bless you and good night. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out.